Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to focus on this one scripture today, and that's verse 33. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Today I just want to share some things that has worked real well for my life. And one of the things that I think is important for people to understand is that what are the priorities for our lives? Well, when God created Adam and Eve, first of all, they had a relationship with God. So I look at that as a pattern. I believe that your relationship with God is the most important thing that you can have. I think a lot of people walk in self-condemnation because they don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like, you know, they please God. But I want to let you know that it's not about pleasing God. It's about the fact of receiving God's love for your life. You know, the Word of God tells us in Psalms 23 that surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That means every time you turn around, there's God's goodness and God's mercy. God is merciful. He's not here to judge you. He's here to help you, to love you, to help you get that concept that if God be for you, who can be against you? That's God's plan for your life. You know, it's not that hard to put God first. You know, so many times that we think, well, you know, I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. You know, uh, there's other things I can do a little better. Well, welcome to the real world. All of us feel that way. But it's not that hard to put God first. It's not how long you put God first. It's not the quantity that God's looking for as much as it is the quality He's looking for. Many of us know the Lord's Prayer. We've heard it many, many times. You know, and when the disciples came in Luke chapter 11, when the disciples came to Jesus and Jesus had been praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Well, you know, one of the things that I believe that they were saying was, teach me how to pray so it's effective. I like to pray, but I don't want to pray and not see my prayers answer. How about you? And so Jesus gave us this model prayer that we can use to to, to pray. It doesn't take very long. You know, it depends on how you want to pray because there's one section that we all get to, and you can always tell what denomination people came from when it comes, forgive me my sins, and some people say debts. And so that always tells us where we came from, but it doesn't really matter. It means the same thing. But Jesus said, when you pray, say. Hello, somebody. When you pray, say. Well, don't you believe in meditation prayer? Yes, I do. I know God knows my thoughts. But Jesus said something very important here. It's because when you say something, you really put things in motion. And we're going to see that here in the Word in just a moment. He said, when you pray, say, our Father. Well, we say our Father, but you know what? We really should personalize that and say, my Father. God, you're my Father. You know, and when we begin to understand how much God loves us as a father, then we can position ourselves to receive all that God has for us. Right there, just, man, you can just camp there. God, you're my father. Wow. You adopted me. You love me. You love me with an everlasting love. You know, you, 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 you just have good things for me. You have an unprecedented outpouring of your spirit for my life. You know, and just today, again, was the demonstration of the love of God, the goodness of God. You know, God's a good God, and He wants good things for you. But we have to position ourselves to receive from God. So, my Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallow means to reverence, to just honor the name of God. 
Now, I don't expect any of you to know the names of God or to go out and get to know the names of God, but the truth is, as you begin to understand who God is and what he's done for you, you can receive from him. For instance, you know, Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. Many people understand the story when he took Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him. Isaac said, my father, my father, you have the sacrifice. I mean, excuse me, you have the fire, you know, and you have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide. What did he provide? He provided the sacrifice. What did he provide for our salvation? He provided the sacrifice. And so in the Hebrew, we see that he was called Jehovah Jireh at that particular time. God will provide. Well, it's more than just provide. He provided the sacrifice, a sacrifice that caused a great exchange. What was that great exchange? Your unrighteousness for his righteousness. In other words, in that great exchange, God made you, put you in right standing the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior. You're no rider with God. I know that's not a word, but you're no rider with God. You're, you're, you're in no better position with God than Jesus himself was because he adopted you into his family the moment that you accepted Christ. That's because he's Jehovah Jireh. He provided that sacrifice. And not only a sacrifice for our sins, but also by his stripes we are healed. We know that when, you know, God spoke to Moses and, and told the people of Israel, he said, tell the people that none of these diseases will come upon them, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That means he's Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord, no, Ro, Ro, Jehovah-Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. In other words, he provided healing. He says, I don't plan on putting things on my people like the world experience. Hello, somebody. Amen. God doesn't want you to experience sickness. He wants you to experience wellness. God wants you to walk in divine health. That's God's plan for your life. You say, well, what if I'm, you know, struggling? Or what if I'm walking through something? Just keep believing God and keep thanking God that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. And you have to make it personal. He's the God who healeth me. You know, he's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He'll do more than you even ask. And when Jesus shared that particular prayer there, he went on to say, he says, how many of you being good fathers will give a, you know, a, a bad gift to your son or your, or your daughter who asked for it? No, you give your children good gifts. He said, how much more will my father give you good gifts? I'm talking about putting God first. It's not that hard. You know, just the Lord's Prayer. You can pray the Lord's Prayer simply in 30 seconds. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That's putting God first. It's not that hard. But a lot of people feel condemned because they feel like, well, I'm not putting God first. Well, just start somewhere. Start with the Lord's Prayer. It's so very, very simple. And we most of us know it. Most of us don't have to memorize it. And if it takes a little bit to memorize it, it'll be worth it. And so when Jesus said, say, you're my Father, hallowed be thy name, I'm going to honor the names of God, who, who and everything that God is. Why is that so important? Because when Jesus asked his disciples there in Matthew 16, uh, 13, he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you know, uh, well, they said, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He, but say, he said, but who do you say that I am? Why is that so important? Because who God is to you is what's going to manifest in your life. Amen. That's exactly right. 
And Jesus said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In fact, one translation says it like this. Peter, man didn't teach you this, but God taught you this. You know, there's something about when God teaches you something, you never forget it. You know, it's just like it's branded in you. It's like it's been branded in you like, like you know, like we brand cows or, or put marks on, on animals. You know, it's with you for the rest of your life. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barbara for flesh and blood's not revealed this to you, but my Father which art in heaven, I say unto you that you are Peter. In other words, you know what? When you begin to know who God is, God begins to change who you are. That's the significance of that. We have to understand God used the changing of the name to show us the significance of the fact that when we begin to know who God is, it begins to change us. That's so important for us to understand. But God's not building his church on Peter. He said, upon this rock. What rock is he building his church upon? The understanding of who God is. Revealed knowledge. Knowing who God is. When you begin to know who God is, you'll never have fear in your life again. You know, the Bible says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. If you really know that God's with you, you'll never be afraid again. You know, one of the names of God is Jehovah Sabaoth. That means the Lord of hosts. You know, he has a host of angels encamped about you. Now, you can ignore God. You can walk away from God. And yes, you can walk into trouble. But I'm here to tell you that when you walk with God, you'll never have to be afraid again because God's for you. God is surrounding you. In fact, one of the names of God is that he is uh, Jehovah Nisal, the Lord, our banner. You know what that means? That he means he encompasses you with his presence. Wow, where God is, the devil can't be. Isn't that wonderful? You can begin to get this revealed knowledge, this understanding of who God is. You know, that's who God will become to you. And you'll start walking in a greater confidence, knowing that you never have to walk alone again. God is always for you. He's always with you. You know, he wants to show off his glory. That's all he was doing today was saying, hey, I'm God. Let me show you what I can do for you. Let me show you what I want to do for you. In fact, one scripture says he is aching and just in anticipation to be able to bless you. That's what God wants to do for you. And he went on to tell Peter, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. That's what the church is being built on, is knowing who God is. And that's why your priorities, you know, in life should be God first. You know, that's what God wants. You know, when you put God first, it's not a remedy or it's not a formula. But when you do put God first, it's almost like God puts you first. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be taken away from you. And you'll suffer and people laugh at you and mock you. Oh, it doesn't say that? No, it says all these things (laughs) shall be added on to you. I'm glad you're listening. But anyway... But, you know, and then he went on to say, and, and I say unto you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, there's no power. The enemy has no power over you. Jesus said after he sent his disciples, you know, into the world, and they came back and they said, even the demons are subject to your name. And, and, and Jesus said, well, that's not a big deal. I saw Satan fall from heaven. <laughs> You know, he said, you know, what I want you to understand is I give you all power over the power of the enemy and by no means, say no means, means. by no means shall anything harm you. 
the devil has no means to harm you. Like Pastor Vicky said, you know, the number one enemy that usually hinders us from receiving God is that person in the mirror. Oh, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good this morning, but it's usually us, you know? And this is why we need to wash our minds with water of the Word of God, beginning to understand who God is. And that's why I think it's such important to know that our priorities in life should be God first. And he said, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. You know, I wrote this in my notes. I don't know if you can put it up there, but I, put it in, I did write it out in the Message Bible. But one thing the Bible, Message Bible says it like this. It says it like this about um, Matthew chapter 16. It says, a no on earth is a no in heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know how to activate heaven? By speaking, by saying, this is what I declare. You know, and when you begin to declare the will of God, heaven starts to go in motion to bring it to pass. Wonder what happens when you begin to declare what the enemy wants you to de- declare. Hmm, we won't go there today, okay? But nevertheless, that's what it says. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. In other words, the original says, whatever you bind on earth, heaven will back you. Whatever you loose on earth, heaven will back you. And so that's why Jesus said, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is where? You know, God wants you to experience heaven on earth. Why do you ask us to pray it? So that we just had something to do? No, he's expecting to fulfill heaven on earth. There in James 5, 16, where it says the last part of it, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What it means is that because you're the righteousness of God, because you're in right standing with God, your prayers are so effective, it makes all that heaven has available to you. Wow. You know, that excites me so much, I'm going to say it backwards. Wow. Isn't that encouraging? You know, and that's why James 4, you know, tells us, you know, submit to God and resist the devil and he shall flee. The key to being an overcomer in this life is just putting God first. Well, the second priority, what did God do after he created man? He created woman. And all the men said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. And so God created woman and he created a family. So our family should be our next priority. God wants us to have strong families. It's a representation of his goodness. Now, no condemnation for those who have been through a divorce. My wife was divorced, you know, and there's no condemnation for that. But you know what? One of the greatest attacks in society today is against the family. To try try to cause division, to try to cause divorce. Why? Because it's a representation of God's family. You know, God wants you to have, you know, a good family. And so your family should be your second priority in life. You know, and always asking. I'll never forget when I first got married, and I still do this from time to time. I probably need to do it more often. But when I first got married, I never asked God to change my wife. I said, God, change me. Help me to be the man that she needs. You know her better than I do, you know. Does God know my wife better than I do? Well, 37 years ago, he certainly did. I know her a little better today, but she keeps on changing on me. She told me that's a woman's prerogative. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so anyway, and so I have to endeavor to get to, to, to stay in relationship with her, to, to know that she's changed, you know, but family, family is so important to God and family should be important to us. 
You know, and that's one of the things that God did. God created us. Then, you know, we had a relationship with him. Then he created a family. And then, you know, sin came in and God gave him a job. So your job's important. Your work's important. Someone says, well, you know, uh, and, and I've had different, you know, uh, discussions with other people in the ministry. You know, no, no, church should be their third priority. Well, you know what? If you're not out going making an increase or getting an increase, how are you going to bring a tithe into the church? Hello, somebody. If everybody came to church and said, you know, and sang Kumbaya, Lord, and held hands, you know, it'd be a miracle if God dumped gold in here. He could, but that's not how it works. And so we do need to find what our careers are or what we're called to do or what God has put in our hearts to do. And when we do that, you know, do it as unto the Lord, the Bible says. You know, they're not, not every boss is perfect. Hello, somebody. Now, my staff is not allowed to speak up at this time. But not every, not every boss is perfect, okay? You know, and there are forward bosses. In other words, they're, they're abrasive is, is, is the word that Peter says. And he said, you know what, just treat the abrasive ones like you would the ones who are not abrasive. You know, do it as unto the Lord. And you'll be surprised how God will promote you. And so your job's important. And then the fourth thing is church. Church is very, very important. Somebody says, well, I don't need church. Well, that's like saying I don't need a medical clinic. One of these days you're going to need a doctor. Hello, somebody. One of these days you're going to need God. You know, and so that's why it's so important that we, we develop that relationship with God. So this is one of the things that you know God put on my heart to share with you that the four priorities of God are not that hard to develop in our lives. In fact, most of you are living it already. You know, but you can take and cultivate it just like that Lord's prayer. Once you start beginning to just kind of break it apart, you you can begin to see that you know what God said, "Give me this day my daily bread." You know what that tells me? God says, "Don't be beggars." be receivers. Don't be beggars, be receivers. You know, you can go to God and say, give me. You can go to God and say, give me. This is what I'm expecting. You said you'd meet my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I guess I better read the Bible so it sounds like we're in church, right? Let me share with you what Matthew 6, 30, verse 33 says in the Message Bible. It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, wild flowers, most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fusses over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God's provisions, and don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. How powerful that is. Thank God for some translator who came in and kind of made it a little plainer for us. God desires and delights and taking care of you. So if you know that God's going to do that, why do you have to ask him for something he's already given you? Hello, somebody. It's so important that we, it says, give me this day my daily bread. In other words, God, I'm expecting you, and according to Matthew 6, right there, I'm expecting you to meet my needs. 
So give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my sins. Lord, if there's any sin in my life, help me to overcome. You know, I think the greatest sin is, you know, just we mutilate our souls. You know, we know body mutilating is bad, but I think we mutilate our own self-image. We don't feel good about ourselves. We need to wake up and say, I feel good about me. I'm okay with me, you know? I mean, if you can't get along with yourself, you're not going to get along with other people. You know, I feel good about me. You know, I, I tell myself all the time, you know, Tom Luther, you're a nice guy. People might think, you know, might misunderstand you from time to time, and they do. But, you know, really, I'm a pretty nice guy. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. Amen. Amen. There you go. Ask my staff. Remember, I sign your paychecks. But anyway. <laughs> no, just kidding. But, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to get confidence in who God made us to be. And that's why it's so important. Forgive me my sins. You know, I missed it, God. I, I may have blown it. Well, I've got good news for you. He's the God of second chance. He's not only a God of second chance, he's a God of third chance. He's not only a God of third chance, he'll give you as many chances to get it right if you want to get it right. But to get it right, you have to seek God first. And that's the key. What, what, what does God want me to do in this situation? Forgive me my sins, especially as I forgive those who have sinned against us. That's a big one right there. Let it go. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but just let it go. Don't let anybody who's hurt you or anything of the past, you know, hinder God's plan for your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, it says, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that really mean? The word punish in the, in the Greek language means to annihilate. And that word annihilate, if you study it out even further, means as if it never exists. Did you know that your obedience destroys all disobedience in your own life? Somebody say, thank God for that. That's why it says in James 4, 7, submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he shall flee. You know, all through the Old Testament, God says, come back to me. I'll forgive you. I'll let it go. I'll move on. Let's move on. Let's not live in the past. Let's live in the future. And so that's why it's so important, you know, when we say, you know, Lord, forgive me of my debts as I forgive those who have sinned against me. In other words, let it go. Move on, take hold of God's best for your life. And sometimes that takes the grace of God. Somebody say amen in this house. Amen. You know, but you know, a lot of times people hurt us and they don't even know they hurt us and we harbor on it and we live it. You know, we want to share it with other people. And you know what? We just need to let it go and move on. How many of you know that God's forgiven you? Amen. Well, then we need to learn how to forgive the way God forgives. And so forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead me not into temptation. Well, we know God wouldn't lead you in temptation. But you know what that really means? What it really means is that, God, I choose today not to allow temptation to lead me. I choose today not to allow any tempting thoughts, any temptation to take me down the wrong trail. By your grace, I can overcome all temptation. Lead me not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Wow, that's the perfect prayer that you can pray. It doesn't get any better of a perfect prayer in English you can pray than the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't take a whole lot. And when you begin to really dissect it and break it down, as you pray it, it means so much more to you because you're beginning to see God's plan unfold in your life. And so God's priorities is put God first, put family uh, 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 second, your job or your career, and then, again, 
he went on to say, um, the church. A man build a tabernacle for God. Well, one of the other things I want to share with you about your walk with God is be consistent. It's not how much you spend time with God. It's spending time with God on a regular basis. I never forget, I don't know if I read this or heard this, but somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth, who was a great revivalist. God used him in great signs and wonders and just tremendous miracles. You know, but they asked Smith Wigglesworth, they said, how often or how long do you pray, uh, uh, Brother Smith? And he said, well, only maybe, maybe 15 minutes. They go, what? Only 15 minutes? Yeah, he said, but I hardly let 15 minutes go with that I'm not praying. You know, so it's not how long you pray. It's just being consistent. And I'm not saying you have to pray, you know, like Smith Wigglesworth prayer. But I think the key is being consistent. You know, and it's so easy to be consistent with the Lord's Prayer because you already know it. First thing you do when you wake up, begin to recite the Lord's Prayer. Let the Lord's Prayer just become a part of who you are, putting God first, being consistent. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 17 through 19, Jesus said this. Jesus came back and he said to him, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers, but my Father which is in heaven... And God himself let you in on the secret and who I really am. Now I'm going to tell you who you really are. Wow. Because Peter got this revelation of who God is. God's beginning to give Peter a revelation of who God sees, how God sees Peter. How God really sees you. And so when we're consistent, we begin to understand how God sees us. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says... Well, let's just go there real quick. It says, you have need of endurance, and after you've done the will of God, you shall receive the promises. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has such a great reward. In other words, as you, you stay consistent, you're not going to cast away your confidence. Do not cast away your confidence that has such a great reward. For you have need of endurance. Say endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, that you may receive the promises. And it says, for yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. And so what the author is saying here in the book of Hebrews, he's saying this. God is speaking to us by saying, you know what? Don't throw it away. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just be consistent. And how easy it is to be consistent with the Lord's Prayer. Because you're praying the perfect will of God again. And so the other thing I want to share with you today is choose good company. You know, the Bible says that corrupt company will corrupt character. And there's a lot of people, they hang around the wrong people, and they don't realize, it. oh, that won't bother me, it won't hurt me. And you'll begin to hear subtle things in their conversation that sounds like the people who are corrupt. It's, it, it just so much just sneaks in so subtly you're not aware of it. Psalms chapter 26, 1 through 8 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I've walked in my integrity, and I've also trusted in the Lord, and I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. For your loving kindness before my eyes, and I've walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolaters, uh, uh, mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. 
I've hated the assemblies of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I'll wash my hands in innocence, so I go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim the voice of thanksgiving and tell you all the wondrous works. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. But you know, David was writing this as, I've hated the assemblies of evildoers, nor will I sit with the wicked. You know, the word wicked is derived from the same word wicker, like wicker furniture. You know what that really means? It means to twist the truth to make it sound like an evil report. So I, I meant to ask heaven this earlier, but I didn't have a chance to because the Spirit of God went differently. But I'm going to use you as an illustrated message. So would you come up here, heaven, please? How many of you know that heaven and Aaron are engaged to get married? Isn't that wonderful? So heaven, how long have you known me? Twenty years, and how old were you when you began coming to church here? Um, seven. Seven years old. Okay, heaven. Have I ever told you that I love you? Yes, I have. Yep. And how did you receive that? Uh, well, took it. I knew you meant it. Okay. Was it a romantic love? No. No. <laughs> Good thing her boyfriend's there. <laughs> I think he can whoop me. But anyway, <laughs> it was not a romantic right. love. Okay, so this is how a wicked report goes. I told Heaven I loved her. In fact, the other day, she was at her house. She was on the way out. I said, Heaven, I love you. She goes, I love you too, Pastor. Okay, but this is how a wicked report works. Come on up here, Aaron. Aaron's like, I don't like Pastor telling my girlfriend that he loves her. And so Aaron goes, yeah, Pastor told my girlfriend he loved her. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, I don't trust him because he's always telling my girlfriend how much he loves her. Is that the truth? No, it's not. See, this is where we get confused at. Yeah, I told her I loved her, but his definition and explanation of the way I love her is a bold-faced lie. All right? Now, this man would never lie, would you? You stand before God. Thank you. But this is a wicked report. A wicked report takes something that's true. I've told heaven I've loved her, you know, since she was a little girl. You know, she's been in this church for 20 years. You know, a godly love, a pastoral love. I love each and every one of you with that same kind of love. You know, but a wicked person or a person, an evil person, will take a truth and turn it into evil. And this is what David said, you know what? He said, vindicate me, O Lord. Well, how's God going to vindicate you? you got to stay away from wicked and evil reports. Amen. Let me give you an example how to do that. When someone comes and tells you something that they heard, if you didn't hear it, you don't receive it. Hello, somebody. You don't, you don't, you don't repeat what other people have said. If Herman comes and gives me a report about somebody, I'm not going to repeat it. Why? Because I don't know if Herman heard it. Now, if it's a good report, I might. But I don't know if Herman heard it and got offended with it, and he's just venting with me, and all of a sudden I give the report that Herman gave, and by the time you hear the report that I gave, that Herman gave to me, this person's dirt, and you won't have nothing to do with them. And you may have just abolished and aborted a divine connection. 
That's why it's so important that we stay away from people who give wicked and evil reports. An evil eye is someone who's looking for a negative report. I'm looking for good reports. You know, I'm looking for the good things that God's doing in people. I choose to see the best in everyone. This is what Joseph, this is what this last year's Christmas story really spoke to me about Joseph. And this is what the Bible said. It said, Joseph was a just man because he chose not to display or openly declare that Mary was pregnant. Now, come on, folks. We know how it works. You know, he's betrothed to Mary. He knew that his life was pure. And she comes and says, I'm pregnant. What would you think? You know? And if it wasn't for a divine dream, he would have said, you know what, Mary? Listen, you're going to have to figure this out yourself because I know I'm not the father. But God gave him that divine dream and said, this child is of me. And you know the rest of the story. But what really spoke to me about Joseph was this. Because he was a just man, he didn't want to expose the negative about Mary. It says he wanted to privately do this. But see, an evil eye or someone of a wicked heart, they want to tell everybody. Pastor told heaven he loved her. Hmm. Wonder how many other women he's told he's loved. Hmm. Wonder if Pastor Vicky knows he's going around telling women he loves them. Hmm. Get rid of that wicked eye. Hmm? Say, I refuse to listen to that kind of junk. But this, this is the way the enemy works. He starts working in your mind. You start dwelling on, hmm, I think something's not right there. And this is why the Bible says, love sees the best, believes the best, wants the best. And you have to make that choice. Hello, somebody, am I helping you this morning? This is putting God first. This is putting family first. This is putting your job first. And sometimes this is putting this perfect church first. Because we know that there's nobody in this church that doesn't like each other. We have to see the best. Choose to believe the best. And if we didn't hear it, then it's not true. And that's the stand I've taken over the last 15, 20 years. Somebody comes and says, well, did you hear about so-and-so? No, and I don't want to hear about so-and-so. You know? Well, pastor, you need to know what's going on. Well, sometimes, you know, there are things maybe I do need to know, know what's going on, but unless I see it, I'm not going to repeat it. You hear what I'm saying? And I believe this honors God. Because why repeat somebody else's story about somebody else that I wasn't there and can't validate? You know, when people ask me about certain things going on in the world, I go, well, if I can't validate it, I'm not going to talk about it. Well, what do you think about what's going on in Washington, D.C.? I can't validate it, and I don't want to go there to find out. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, what do you think about, you know, some of these things that are going on in the medical field? You know what? I can't validate it. But this I can validate. If I drink any deadly thing or take any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. Amen? Yes, I try to live and, and try to eat wholesome and try to eat right. 
You know, I had two bowls of ice cream yesterday. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> that's because I had not had ice cream all month long. That was my first ice cream all month long because of the fast that we were on. But So when I splurge, I splurge. But anyway, but no, I don't know. You know, I don't go to the ice cream maker and say, now what'd you put in here? You know, does this have corn syrup or cane, cane sugar in it? I mean... I'll just eat it and say, this good stuff. <laughs> Glory to God, you know? But on the other hand, you know, the same thing's true about gossip or evil and corrupt people. I'm not going to hang around people who are going to give me negative reports. I'm not going to sit in the seat of the scorner. The Bible says, blessed is a man who does not sit in the seat of the scorner. And so this is a priority in my life is make sure I'm around the right kind of company saying the right things. Because it only takes two or three sentences for somebody to shipwreck your faith. Hmm? It only takes two or three sentences from somebody else to shipwreck your, your faith. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forget, and, and, and this is so fitting with Vicky and myself too, but I heard Joyce Meyer say that when she was doing her Bible studies years ago before her ministry ever got to a place that, uh, you know, some ladies came and said, Joyce, we want to talk to you. She goes, okay. And they said, we heard that you believe that you're going to have an international ministry. Anybody ever ever hear Joyce Meyer's here? Okay. So this is what these ladies, they felt it that they should take it on themselves to tell Joyce that she was not qualified and it would never happen. Joyce, we think you're missing it. How many of you can look back and say, Joyce missed it? Obviously not. You know, but she had to make a choice. Number one, even though those may have been sincere people, she had to cut that off and choose to believe what God said about her. Amen. That's the key. And it goes back to having a priority, your priority being God first. God, what do you say about it? God, what do you say about this? God, what do you say about it? Well, Pastor Tom, what if they're missing it? Let God deal with it. Right. You know, what if they're, what if they're hitting it? Right. You know, I wouldn't mind, you know, several people being raised up out of this church having international ministries like Joyce Myers. Just be sure you tie to this ministry, that's all. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Anyway, so do right, you know, be consistent and do right. And so the title of my message today is My Heart to Your Heart. What do I do? What do Vicki and I do to, to, you know, just keep on going and keep on trusting God? Well, we put God first. We put our relationship second. There's nothing that's going to come between me and Vicki. We have already made that decision. But you know why? Because God's first in our life. You know, in our situation, our, our calling and our job's the same thing, and it does intertwine with the church, but if it wasn't, you know, you got to find your career, find your place in life. Your job's got to be important. It's got to, you know, because you're a testimony to the goodness of God there. And then your church. Find the church that God's called you to. Stay planted, stay connected, because that's where you're going to bloom. That's where you're going to get fed well, even chili dinner today. But you're going to get fed well, and you're going to be encouraged. And be consistent. Be consistent. Gloria. Uh, Copeland said this. He said, inconsistency is where the power is at. You know, Vicki and I started this journey 38 years ago. We didn't know each other when we both got our right, lives right, and then we met each other. And we started this journey 37 years ago together. 
And there were some days I worked three jobs in order to take care of the family. But you know what? That day is over. You know, we were standing in our home today thanking God how good he's been to us. But it's because we've been consistent. Some days were hard. Some days were challenging. Some days were very difficult. But you know what? We didn't quit because quitters never win and winners never quit. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.